Welcome to BDO in the Boardroom, a podcast series for board of directors and those charged with governance. Each episode features a topical discussion with board peers and subject matter experts on both trending and timeless boardroom issues, covering a myriad of issues including, but not limited to, mitigating risk in the increasingly digital world, navigating your board career, from landing your first board seat to succession planning in support of the next generation, to other top of mind issues such as ESG reporting, shareholder activism, and the insights we share through the BDO Center for Corporate Governance and Financial Reporting. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes or Spotify. Let's get started. Hello, I'm Amy Rojek, Director of BDO's Center for Governance, and welcome everyone today. Data protection resilience is truly one of the number one initiatives of the board. Leaders and organizations need to be able to contextualize and discuss data protection in plain English. And understanding how data is used throughout the organization is now more critical than ever. For those of you who don't know, data management and governance is a requirement to sustain the organization while enabling growth and seamless operations. Today, in our BDO in the boardroom, my partner Karen Schuler will be discussing the importance of sound data governance practices that allow an organization to digitally transform itself. And Karen is BDO's National Practice Leader of Governance, Risk, and Compliance, and our Global Privacy Co-Leader. She has spent the last 30 years investigating cyber crimes and leading businesses that help the Global 500 to protect personal data. So Karen, firstly, I welcome you to the show. And next, I would love for our listeners to better understand what are the primary concerns that a board is faced with as it relates to data governance and digital transformation. Thanks, Amy. Appreciate the invite. And it's always fun doing these things with you. And you know, that's a great question. You know, what are the primary concerns that the board is faced with? And, you know, data governance and digital transformation, it's, it's certainly a hot topic. Um, you know, and, and one of the things we've seen a lot lately is that personal data is really, I would say, the number one concern for organizations around the world. It doesn't matter your size or your breadth or your depth or your industry. It really has become an issue. And and there's really two sides to the coin, and one is value, the other is data protection. Um, and you know, just just kind of keeping all of that mind in mind, um, the use of personal information, you know, it can be used for services, for research, for identity verification. I mean, countless array of objectives in which data is used these days, and um, you know, it could be anything from benign and boring to potentially predatory and malicious, where we have threat actors all across the board um, trying to get at that data. So it's become really highly valuable for these organizations. Um, and, and, you know, you have to be able to leverage it to make informed decisions, but you also have to be able to set policy and be able to control it. And you need to be able to uh, really, you know, come to specific and targeted conclusions to complicated questions. And, you know, sometimes it feels like it's a little clairvoyant when it comes to this personal data and how we're using it in an organization. Um, you know, and the risks around all of this is really, um, really astronomical at this point. You know, you, you can find out where somebody lives, what they make, um, what their health is, um, you know, what their certain preferences are. And in many regions around the world, you have to be very careful about how you're using that data. So there needs to be a careful balance between value and protection. 
And organizations really need to understand how to manage data without overmanaging it. And it's important to understand that personal data protection is really a requirement now around the globe. And I don't know if you know this, but in the next two years, 50% of the population around the world is going to be subject to uh, going to be subject to privacy laws. And so, you know, maybe in a state in the U.S. right now, your company doesn't need to be um, cognizant of how to protect or how to comply with a privacy law. Well, we are seeing uh, with California's privacy law and Virginia's privacy law. And then, you know, if you're thinking outside of the states, you've got Europe's privacy law. um, And it's just the list goes on and on. So companies need to now be more aware of not just the security around the data, but also ensuring that they're able to comply with the regulations around the world. Um, And so as a board member, you really need to understand, um, you know, even if you're driving value from data and you're putting in all of these cool technologies and these things that are really helping the business to grow, you need to understand how to comply with these laws and ensure that maybe you can respond to a simple request of what kind of data do you have about me if, if it's consumer asking. So again, going back to really that, that balance between value and protection are really the most critical things that client, companies need to be looking at in terms of compliance and data protection and ensuring that these mechanisms are in place um, for, for when you're using it. No, I appreciate that very much. And I think one of the areas where we're probably seeing um, a lot more interest in this is with all of the, I guess, the, I won't use the word hype, but with all the interest, let's say, you know, how should a board view data governance as a component of environmental, social, and governance, so ESG, and obviously particularly around the G in ESG? (laughs) Yeah, the governance part (laughs) seems to be one of the biggest issues, that's for sure. Um, you know, and, and the social piece, there's quite a, I mean, obviously data is used every day from a social perspective. Um, but yeah, data governance, it's really becoming critical to ESG risk. And, you know, especially when evaluating investments um, in, in the technology and communication sectors. Um, and, and since we're dealing with a highly virtual economy, and technology is really riding a wave of disruptive innovation while still exposing acute risks that can depreciate somebody's brand overnight or in a really rapid manner, you know, you have to really pay attention to data governance. And and unfortunately, (laughs) unlike COVID-19, there's really no vaccine for a cyber threat or the level of scrutiny scrutiny there is from regulators around the world. so, and as an example, you know, there's a thing we call privacy by design, and and I know the boards um, are start starting to now get very involved and interested in what is privacy by design, and it it allows an organization to embed privacy from the onset of production or design, I should say. So, if I am developing a new product, I need to integrate privacy into every element of my operations or my actual product development. And it allows the organization to go back to these regulators and say, hey, we thought about consent. We thought about all of these different aspects of what a user expects to see. So things like that are are allowing organizations to transform while governing their data. 
and ensuring that users feel protected and that they're actually taking steps to protect that personal information. But, but going back to really the ESG piece of it, you know, and as industries evolve, we're going to see ESG evolving. And so we're going to need to really evolve those data governance practices to ensure that the value and data protection are addressed equally. Um, you know, we've seen organizations transforming um, something as simple as, you know, us as a consumer would think is a loyalty program. Great. I have my loyalty cards and I get my points. You know, but they also have had to understand how does data flow through my organization? Where is that? Who has access to it? And that really goes to those data governance and data protection practices. And it, it's easy to say, hey, I can find all of the data. But then in reality, when you need to actually understand where the data resides, who has access to it, how a consumer receives access to it, and ensuring that marketing, sales, and business teams can still grow the organization, it's a really careful balancing act. And I'm seeing now where the board members are becoming more aware of this and they're, they're getting more involved because, you know, intelligent data governance is really becoming the wave of the future. And that is something that is really needs to align with an ESG framework. Now that makes a lot of sense. So, so to summarize what I, I believe I just heard you say is, is giving the board vision into both the strategic uses of data to help grow the business while at the same time managing risk with an ESG kind of governance expectation lens that would insulate, you know, the long-term value creation part of it. So, so I think I, I think I understand what you said right there. So yeah, good. no, you summarized it very nicely. Yeah, that's excellent. <laughs> All right. <laughs> So I guess um, turning to where, where do you see the market going from a data governance perspective? Is, as you're talking about evolution, where do you see this headed? Yeah, we see, I mean, we're seeing so many different things. And, and we are, you know, obviously everybody hears about the smart technologies like Internet of Things that are leveraging artificial intelligence and mach machine learning. Um, you know, there's, a, there's examples of ubiquitous computing, which is really this concept where Computing is made to appear anytime and everywhere. So you don't really even know it exists, but it's there. And companies are, are building that in. And one of the pieces of advice that I would give to a board member would really be, hey, understand how you're using artificial intelligence or machine learning, how, what you're putting into your smart technologies. Because the more you do understand, the easier it will be able, you'll be able to link really that how do we protect this information and how do we give the consumer access to it when they need it? And, and so, you know, companies that are integrating technology into everyday objects to make them effectively communicate and perform, you know, tasks, tasks in a way that minimize the end users need to interact with a computer. You know, we really have to be thinking about all of the aspects across the spectrum and not just thinking about, hey, we're delivering a great product. You have to think about, well, what does this mean for us you know, long-term? How long are we going to keep that data? Who could have access to that? You know, is it in a risky area? Do we know the vendors managing it? These are all the types of things that we're educating board members on to make sure that they're asking the right questions of the teams that are building these um, you know, environments. And, and one of the things that board members will likely start hearing about is 
is this concept called data fabric. And I know it sounds kind of funny, but it's really, it allows the organization to develop a single unified platform um, for data integration and management. And it basically enables management of all your data within a single environment. It might be multiple environments, but it's bringing it into one thing. And it's basically this, this fabric that stretches across the organization. And that's why they call it data fabric. And, and you might hear your CIO or CTO talking about this, and, and it's not a bad thing to have you know, somewhat of an understanding on it. And ultimately, it does help accelerate digital transformation. And as you're stretching this fabric across all the locations and data types and access methods, you know, it becomes this nice scalable environment. And you also though have to start thinking about, okay, great, this might be positioning us for growth, but now what happens to the consumer data? You know, do I have to worry about too many people having access to it? Is it not protected in the right way? Um, is a regulator going to come knocking on my door because I'm storing it in one location? but it really needs to be in another location because of some cross-border, you know, issue. So, you know, really, if, if I was sitting on the board right now of an organization developing any type of technology that touches consumer or health data or personal data, I would be thinking about, well, what is my IT team implementing and how do I know we're protecting it um, and that we're complying with the regulations across the board. Now that, that makes a ton of sense to me. And, and I think one of the things when I think about that is, is when you think about the responsibility and role of the board in an oversight position. So being able to rely on the management layers within the organization to do this and being able, as you pointed out rightly, to ask be asking certain questions around evolving areas such as the use of data fabric and all and all of the terms you just kind of explained to us. What are you seeing, you know, where does this responsibility for data governance really sit within the board and recognizing that obviously this may not be a one size fits all approach, but what are you guys seeing in your work? Yeah, we're, we're seeing, you know, we're seeing from the largest companies to mid-sized companies. I mean, and when I say largest, I, I will say global, global 50. Um, they are taking a position that they, their boards are now they now are equipped with individuals that have backgrounds like mine, where they spent years investigating cyber crimes, or you know, they have really good knowledge about data governance or privacy or security, um, that they want to actually have individuals on the board that um, can, can help them dissect the issues within the organization and make sure that, that their executive team is, is really providing them good information at the, that it's cutting edge, but it's also protecting, you know, the, the consumer is the best way to put it. Um, you know, one of the things we've learned recently too is, and not recently, but over the last several years is, you know, data protection in and of itself, it's, no, it's not a regional issue anymore. It's a global challenge. And so having individuals on your board that understand the impact of, well, if we stand up a, a new organization or a new um, you know, uh, um, uh, division in another country, um, 
or if we start servicing clients in another region, uh, you know, outside of their home country, how is that going to impact us in terms of where do we store the data? Um, what types of agree agreements do we have to have in place? Are we acquiring somebody or merging it with someone? And do we have to really think about, um, you know, the due diligence of how they've managed their data? I mean, one of the most famous things I think I've ever heard from all the way from administrators to board members has been, well, we're really good at keeping data. We're really bad at deleting data. And we have companies with 50, 60, you know, paper, all the way to paper records to electronic records that just keep everything. And one of the hottest things we've seen over the last year and a half is how do we create a retention schedule? And as a board member, if, if you're not asking the question of, do we have a retention schedule? It sounds really simple, but when you start getting into specific industry requirements, as well as uh, global and regional requirements, it can become quite complex. And it's not hard developing this type of schedule. It's hard to operationalize it. And so the board, again, you know, another issue they need to be at least cognizant of and be able to ask the questions of, one, do we have a retention schedule? Two, have we operationalized it? Um, and that's, that's usually the deer in the headlights moment when, you know, executives are sitting there going, well, we're working on it, you know, or we're thinking about it. Um, more importantly, if I, you know, if you're sitting on the board, I think some, some good questions to ask are, what is the threat profile of our organization based on our business model and the type of data our organization holds? Um, you know, you, almost, you also would want to think about, you know, who may be after our data assets? Um, you know, are there nation states interested? Are there sophisticated international criminal organizations? Are there ideologically motivated activists? Are there competitors in the market? Are there disgruntled former employees? You know, think about who could be interested in our assets. Um, do you have an overall data protection strategy that aligns with that threat profile? And these are the things, if you don't have a chief information security officer, you need to be asking general counsel, your risk management team, your IT team, and, and really learning about their views across the board. Um, you know, another one is, is our cybersecurity risk viewed as an enterprise-wide issue? And is it incorporated into our overall risk identification, management, and mitigation process? Um, you know, I, I know the other question we're hearing a lot of and things board members should be concerned with is what percentage of our IT budget is dedicated to cybersecurity? And does that allocation really allow us to conform to industry standards? And going back to your threat profile, is it adequate based on the threat profile? Um, you know, and, and so those are some questions I would be asking, but some things for the board to keep an eye on is, one, threats to your industry. Um, you know, think about and things you're reading in the news. You might want to keep a keen eye. If you're doing a certain type of marketing, you might want to make sure that, you know, there hasn't been, um, you know, regulators or uh, uh, someone really taking a, a real interest in uh, the ad preferences you might have, as well as the types of cyber attacks that have been happening here in your industry. You'll also want to be, there's, there's a huge rise in business email compromises right now, and ensuring that 
you know, that, that you're not falling for the impersonation scams, um, along with the growth of spear phishing email attacks being up. I think the FBI reported it's up about 70% over the last year. Um, ransomware attacks, you know, if you haven't really had any reporting on that or if you're not aware of it, and if you're not taking steps to protect against that, I mean, the FBI had reported that that is up 350% in the last year. The other area that boards don't typically think about is the exploitation of supply chain network attacks. Um, so, so those are some real key things. A few last minute other, you know, other items that really could help board members would be the Securities and Exchange Commission and the FTC have a greater focus on cybersecurity and privacy right now than they ever have. Um, you know, so pay attention to where you're seeing um, fines being handed down for certain violations. Um, you know, there's increasingly there's also the complex regulatory landscape. And if you don't have a good understanding of your regulatory landscape, you'll really want to keep an eye on that because it might vary if you're working in China versus Europe versus Australia, Brazil, U.S., so on and so forth. Um, and ensure that you have the protection, the, the, the proper talent in place um, and, and that you're not burning out the staff. Um, because there is a huge burnout factor right now, and there's a lot of risks imposed by the remote workplace, um, which I'm sure you can all think about different scenarios. But generally, I would be thinking about the threats to the organization. I would be thinking about how we're spending our money. Um, I would also be thinking about, does, does our digital transformation plan or you know efforts do they align with what consumers expect to get in return? And that could be as simple as, hey, you can get access to your data or knowing where the data is and then aligning that with your policies and procedures. So, so I know that's a lot to consume, but it is, it is some of the, the top trends and questions that we have been seeing um, you know, as we're talking to board members. No, I appreciate all of that, Karen. And I think um, all of the sentiments you just laid out there has been echoed in, in recent programming that we've done in our engagement with directors. In fact, one of our most recent board forums that BDO was involved in was on ransomware. And, you know, there's a lot of a lot of information to be gathered by there. And we just issued <laughs> a thought paper around that that looks at some of the five five key things that kind of keep Keep board directors up at night, if you will. Um, but but I think yeah. one of the things that I heard you say here, importantly, is because we know that boards have all kinds of kind of shapes and sizes, if you will, depending on the complexity, the size of the company. Um, and so if that if that requisite knowledge doesn't immediately reside in the board, um, you you want to make sure that you have a solid management foundation and a, and solid policies for how your company is dealing with this area of risk. You also obviously want to have continuing education as paramount, given the rapidly evolving you know technology environment, the cyber risk environment that's changing constantly. Um, I, I think you know those two are, are very key to to how a good board mm -hmm. is governed. So if you don't have that requisite knowledge or that you know definite experience in fighting cyber crime, if you will, I think it really makes sense to do a self-assess on where this this responsibility resides in the company. 
And then also having, you know, things like this, like being educating yourself going forward, having the board request management to bring in kind of that knowledge level to the board and really being able to work this in as part of your overall, you know, threat and risk profiling of your organization is, is also what I heard you saying. So I really appreciate your thoughts today and uh, look forward to having you back because I'm sure this is a, a definitely a topic that's going to be around for quite some time. <laughs> I don't think we're going to get any less digitally connected. So <laughs> no, <laughs> lots, lots of new risks that's normally <laughs> cropping up. <laughs> yeah, thank you. I appreciate you asking me to join today. All right. Well, thank you to our listeners and stay tuned for another episode of BDO in the Boardroom. Thank you for listening to BDO in the Boardroom. Past episodes and related insights are available at bdo.com slash BDO Boardroom. Or you can go to iTunes or Spotify to rate, review, and subscribe. The views expressed by our guests do not necessarily reflect the views of BDO. For more information on the BDO Center for Corporate Governance and Financial Reporting and the resources we provide, visit bdo.com slash BDO Knows Governance.